Well, welcome. Come on out. Come on out. Right here. Right here. Uh, this is a big day, a special day. We, uh, we like to uh, do child baby dedications um, uh, a few times a year. So first of all, welcome to everybody. Welcome if you're uh, with us online and that just works for you this morning. But man, we'd love to have you come join us sometime if you, you can make it. Uh, if you're sitting here in the back, thanks for being here. Y'all heard about the big game, right? Yeah, uh, Boise State beat Fresno State uh, 40 to 20. So that's a big deal. That, that, that's a really big deal. Um, no one cares. No one cares. Uh, okay, so um, let, let's, uh, let me do one more. Are you guys all right? Caleb, can I do one more announcement? All right. Uh, the worship night coming up in a couple weeks. Sunday night, here's why we do worship night, all right? We know that we can't get everything done on a Sunday morning. And our Sunday mornings are different than other churches, and we plan and prepare for people who are far from God to have, help them find real life in Christ. So there's certain things we don't do on Sunday mornings, and we push those to the worship night. Communion is what we do on worship night. It's an hour of worship, extended prayer time, so please join us. It's just really, this time, we're changing up a bit, from 7 to 8. It's one hour. You show up at 7, we'll be done at 8, and we'll participate in all kinds of different things together. That's Sunday the 23rd. All right? Now, this is why we're all here. Oh, i got to start over there. In fact, I hate to do this to you, but so you'll be on camera. Can you guys all scoot that way? It's boot scootin' boogie. All right? Now, uh, first of all, this is the Mitchell family. Um, this is the Mitchell family. This is Mac or Macklin. This is Eli, and that's Charlie. Am I correct? All right. And the Mitchell family, I think, have lived here just over a year. Less than, Less than a year. Wow! Look at you guys. All right. Um, they're in the running for cutest family, <laughs> but they got second to Darlene and I and our girls. So it, it was a little bit rigged. Uh, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to say a prayer. Here's why we do child dedication. There's nothing magical or mystical about it. We just want to partner with the Mitchells and all the other families to say, we will support you as a church community to raise your kids so they can experience the love and grace of Jesus. And we, uh, it's a sign of dedication where they say, yeah, we, we want to raise our kids like that. And you all that are here, both friends and family, are saying, and we want to support you and help you do that. So that when you see the Mitchell parents off track, you can run and say, hey, we were there the day you said you wanted to raise your kids. So get out of buddies and get back there with those kids. All right. <laughs> that was funny. All right. So I'm going to say a prayer for all three kids. Do you think, Charlie, do you think you want to hold my hand? You don't, you don't, you don't. I have that, I have that effect on most women. When I'm going to, I'll get down here. Okay. Do you, um, Eli, would you like to hold my hand? Okay. Mac, Mac would you like to hold my hand? No. <laughs> no. He has no, he's got no choice. Look at him. All right. I'm going to say a prayer. 
Uh, God, thanks so much for the Mitchell family. Thanks for bringing them uh, to our area. And we ask uh, a blessing on them and strength on them that they would raise um, Eli and Charlie and Mac in a way that they would understand and experience Jesus, that you would provide everything in the midst of a world that's so upside down, that you would provide everything they need to raise their kids that way. We ask a blessing on all three kids, and we dedicate them to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. This is, this is Noah. This is um, Kyle and Jackie Byrne. How long have you guys lived here? A year. Just almost exactly. Wow. Yes. Hello, Noah. Um, Noah, would you like to hold my hand? Would you like uh, candy? Ah. All right, I see a new. All right, I, 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 all right, all right. I'm gonna uh, pray for the Byrne family and for uh, for Noah. Uh, God, thank you for um, this family. We thank you for Noah. We thank you for the blessing that he is, and we ask that uh, you would help uh, Jackie and Kyle raise Noah in a way that he understands the love of Jesus, that he grows to be. A fine young man and influences lots of people for good. And so we just dedicate Noah and this family to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Adlin, would you like to hold my hand? All right. I will not, listen, I, I know what I'm doing with girls. I raised two of them. All right, is there a picture of her up there? All right. Um, how long have you guys been married? One year and one week. Do you think, um, nah, I married him a year ago. And, and in premarital counseling, I said, listen, you better have a baby within that first year. So really, I think I said, you should wait five years so you have kids. And you said, screw you, Blue, you don't know what you're talking about. And thank God you disobeyed me because you have a beautiful Adeline. And she's about a month old, right? All right. She's very pretty. Good job, Caleb. All right. I'm going to pray for Oh, I'm sorry. This is Haley and Caleb Layfield. And their daughter. Oh, she's. She's snoring or other? All right. Well, so do I. But, all right. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you uh, for uh, Caleb and Haley, and thank you for the blessing um, of Adlin. We ask that uh, you would protect her, protect the family, uh, help them to raise her so she knows and loves Jesus, that uh, they and she would be a blessing in every way. We dedicate Adlin to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at that. Okay, careful. This age, you've got to protect their head. I don't know if you know that. All right. <laughs> Not sure what we're going to do here. This is, uh, watch this. This is Everest and Ezra. This is Everest. How do you don't know? As the uncle, you can tell them apart? Yeah, they're different. Yeah, they, they, I can't. Yeah, yeah, they're night and day. Um, all right, this is, uh, uh, um, this is the hinderers. Um, how long have you been married? Didn't I tell you guys to wait five years too? What we're finding out is everybody I married doesn't do a thing I say. 
all right? But Jordan, thank you for interrupting. I don't come to your job and, and mess with the fries. All right, now listen. Uh, what's that? You can use that joke over and over. It works. Yeah. I'm not looking for new material. I'm looking for new audiences, all right? Uh, so the, uh, these guys are about three months old, aren't they? I'm going to pray for them. Do you think I can hold them both? I'm worried about my strength. I don't know if I have the... I'm just, I'm pretty feeble at almost 60 years old. Holding it now, just don't throw them at me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Hi, yeah, oh, my goodness. You don't need both of them. We don't have any grandkids. You, we can have one of them. Look at you guys. All right, we're, we're going to pray. Um, God, thanks so much. Um, for these two babies, for uh, Everest and Ezra, thank you for their family, their extended family, everyone who loves them. Um, we pray that you would help um, Austin and Chrissy raise the boys to know and love you, that you would provide for them and, and protect them and give them everything they need, and that um, they would just be a blessing. We dedicate these two boys to you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Success. Austin, you need to be careful of their heads at this stage. I don't know if you know that. All right. All right. Um, besides, uh, where's uh, chairman of our elder board, uh, Bev, is representing children's ministry because she's one of our best volunteers back there too. We have a little Bible for each child, and we have a little inscription in there so they can remember this day, so you can remember this day. Um, we appreciate you taking the time, and we love that you're part of our community. Besides the Bibles and the dedication, what they're taking home is your warm applause. We'll follow Austin out that way. Girls, we'll see you. Bye. Eli, call me. All right, we're continuing our uh, new series that we started to call Simple. I'm glad you're here. We're trying to just push away all the stuff that complicates the real love and faith that you can have in Jesus. Hopefully, that's a good experience for you this morning. Uh, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thanks for these families and their kids. Thanks that you provide even when times are difficult, times where we doubt you still show up. So, God, I ask uh, your blessing on this time together in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, welcome everybody. Uh, if you're listening online or just tuned in or wherever you are in the world, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Brewster, good to have you with us. Uh, we'd be lost without you. Thanks for being with us. Pastor Billy, thanks for everything you do there. Um, and if you made your way into the pack and are sitting here this morning, thanks for being here. We're trying to make everything simple. Have you ever tried to simplify your life? Listen, if you have kids, grade school kids, middle school kids, that will never happen. That will never happen. And then one day, because I was just telling someone this morning, you're going to raise your kids, you're going to figure it out, and you're going to, like, those are great kids. And then they're going to break your heart because they're going to leave. They'll be gone. And you think, oh, we got plenty of time. you got no time, all right? There's nothing more uncertain than raising kids, having kids, maybe being a kid. Come on, everyone's had this experience. Every time we have child dedication, I think back to my own uh, little kids. There's so much uncertainty when you have your first child. Who's with me? Some of you acted like you knew what you were doing. You didn't. I knew enough to know I didn't know. Come on, every, all, I think everyone's had this experience. When they let me take my wife and baby home from the hospital, I'm like, you guys are idiots. How? Why? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to put the car seat in. I don't know how to, let alone, how do I feed it and raise it and, and fertilize it? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm doing. And then, so you think, some of you like, if you haven't had kids especially yet, well, we're going to prepare. We're going to get the book, uh, What to Know When You're Expecting, Who's With Me? You know? Or there's all kinds of stuff on Instagram where, Today, my unborn baby is a cantaloupe. I said, yeah, it won't stay a cantaloupe, all right? It'll come out pooping and crying unlike a cantaloupe, all right? You, you think you can get prepared for it. You cannot. You, there is so much uncertainty. There's things you know, and you can learn from people, and then there's just stuff you don't know. And God forbid you have girls, and they become middle school girls. You don't know nothing about raising middle school girls. And you're like, I was a middle school girl. You don't, you don't know. You don't know how to raise yourself, uh, let alone middle school girls, okay? Middle school girls are my favorite, but man, they are a challenge. I raised two of them, all right? The uncertainty. Wouldn't it be great if you were confident, like raising kids or whatever you're uncertain about? Wouldn't it be great if you could just know for sure, know how to do everything? There's some things you're really good at, and then there's other things like, man, we just don't know. That's what I want to talk about today, because when we talk about religion, Christianity, God stuff, they're like, you can't know. There's so much uncertainty. And that's probably why some of you left the church a long time ago, right? Maybe some of, that's why some of you are back. Or maybe some of you are listening and seeing if you even ever want to go back. It just seems to people like me, pastor people, it just seems so simple, right? First John says this, and we know and rely on the love of God. On the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. It's like, just accept that. Let's move on. But for some reason, it's not that simple. Last week we talked about, and we'll re review real quick. If anything strikes you in the review, like, hey, I'd like to hear more about that. You can jump online on our app, on the Real Life app, or on our website, and you can listen. You can get on YouTube or wherever you, Facebook. But last week we talked about that the, the largest growing religious population, when you fill out a form that says, what religion are you, the largest growing population is nuns. 
N-O-N-E. 25% of people consider themselves nuns. And most of that 25% used to be some kind of church person. It wasn't like they were born an atheist and they were going to stay an atheist. They're just like, they've reached a point where like, no, I don't buy it anymore. That a lot of us, we ask adult questions about our childhood faith. That we grew up and we started thinking, wait a minute, what about this? What about this? What about this? And the people we went back to gave us faith-based answers based on fact-based questions. It was like, yeah, we'll just believe. Or, yeah, the Bible says it, so that, that's, that's the way it is. And so at one point, and, and, and whether you're listening in or you're here in the room or at Brewster, it wasn't like you just decided Thursday at noon that it was going to happen. But at one point, you just woke up and thought, I don't believe anymore. I used to believe. When I was a little kid, I believed. But now that I've grown up and I've found out truth, and I'm more certain that what I knew as a kid was just make-believe, I don't think I believe anymore. Or you went through some life-crushing, difficult time. And it wasn't that you said, I don't believe. It's just like, no, I can't believe anymore. There's this good God, and he's all-powerful and everything, and this bad stuff has happened in my life. Obviously, must not be a God. So a lot of us, you matured, but your faith didn't. You grew up. You went to middle school. You went to high school. You went away to college. But you, you still had the faith of, 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 of a, a grade school kid, a Sunday school faith. So as you matured, you didn't get your questions answered. And, and I'll take the hit on that. People like me, we just said, yeah, just believe just that's the way it is. And just, come on, quit doubting and just believe. Or quit asking questions. It's the worst thing to say. So a lot of us find ourselves stuck between doubt and despair. We doubt that there's a real God, there's a real creator, there's a real Jesus. But on the other hand, we don't want to be an atheist and just believe in nothingness. That's just vast expanse of the universe. And you just live and do your best and you die. And you just fall in this dark chasm of nothingness. So a lot of us are stuck right in the middle. And if that's you, man, you are welcome here. There's two things that get us off track. And last week we talked about the first one. And that's the somebody told me so God. We talked about about five or six different gods, small g, that we think are true. And if you quit believing in one of those gods, good, because those gods don't exist. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the message and check that out. That somebody told me this was true about God, and you just believed it all along. And then you find out, well, no, a good God does allow bad things to happen to good people. But you thought he didn't. So there's these things that we believe about God, and maybe they aren't true. And maybe you get a free, new, clean slate to think about God. The other one that we're going to deal with today is, the Bible tells me so, Jesus. Now listen, if you are a regular church attender, you grew up in the church and you've been like, yay, Jesus, all your life, this is going to be a little uncomfortable for you. So just let me get to the end before you label me a heretic, all right? Uh, Just let, let, let me get there. Because what we're doing is this. We're trying to explain Jesus and faith in Jesus in a way that makes sense with a limited amount of time. 
When you have someone that you run into and they're like, yeah, I used to believe, I don't believe. Or I can't believe, I think it's a bunch of hooey. Yeah, you don't have 15 weeks of Bible study to go through with that person. What are you going to say to your loved one, to your friend, to your neighbor when they say, yeah, I don't believe, I think it's all a bunch of hooey. Where would you start? So we're going to start today with the Bible tells me so. And, and here's where we're at. Um, perhaps you were taught like I was that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. If you've ever sang that song or heard that, just say, whoop, whoop. Yeah, that's where the problem started, you guys. Because we were taught to believe that our faith is based on what the Bible says, that the Bible created Christianity. The implication is the Bible is the reason we believe. Again, I know that's just made a bunch of you uncomfortable. Stay with me here. We were taught the Bible settles it, Bible said it, that settles it, and great. The problem with that is if the Bible is the foundation of our faith, then as the Bible goes, so goes Christianity. So you were taught Jesus loves you, the Bible says so, the Bible says it, the Bible says it, and then you ran into somebody that started poking holes in the Bible. And then you said, well, okay, well, if the Bible has problems, the whole thing's wrong, I give up on it, I'm walking away. But here's the thing, stay with me. Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. That, that, that would be like saying, you exist because of your birth certificate. Right? You have a birth certificate. The birth certificate didn't come first. You came first, right? You were born. They saw you as a baby. They fill out this birth certificate, and then that says, yep, baby Kyle was born, birth certificate. Saying that Christianity exists because of the Bible would be like saying, if we lost your birth certificate, you would stop existing. Because the birth certificate proves that you're a human being and you're living. That's not true. We've got it backwards a little bit. All right, now... Before uh, you walk out, um, but for some of you, that's good news. Because you're like, hey, what about this in the Bible? What about that in the Bible? What about the Old Testament? I, well, I can't believe that. What about how they treat women? What there's slaves in the Bible? What about that? What about that? And there's so many what about you, like, I'm done with it. And you walk away from the very thing that can change your life. The very thing that you were created to experience in the first place. Listen, I'm a big Bible guy. The Bible's not the problem. It's the way we were taught is the problem. All right? I'll prove it. In case you leave and at lunch you say, Kyle doesn't believe in the Bible. All right? This is my, where should we start? This is my fancy Bible. All right? This is my wedding and funeral Bible. Uh, this makes me look like a real pastor. All right? Like... Ooh, that dude knows what he's doing. Look at that fancy thin line Bible. All right? I never use it to read out of it because I can't read the words. All right? I only put my notes in here, so at a wedding it looks like I've got the Bible. Really, it's just my notes. Some of you have experienced that. All right? This is my mission trip Bible. This is paperback. It didn't cost me very much. This is what I used to take on all mission trips and 
winter camps and, and getaways when I was youth pastoring. I pulled it out this morning. I don't want to get all weird on you. But there's notes in here from kids, some my kids, saying what they think of me. That's all positive. And encouragement. It's stuff we used to do on leadership retreats with kids in Mexico. And, and kids would write things and we'd encourage each other. I, I found that all again today. This is my, my travel Bible. All right? This is my Celebrate Recovery Bible. Uh, the four years I spent in Celebrate Recovery and Lean Celebrate Recovery, this is gold. If you struggle, if you know people who struggle, this, if you just got this Bible and, and started with the, 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 the first 31 studies or whatever through it, this is my Celebrate Recovery Bible. This is my favorite Bible. All right? This I got when I was a junior in high school. It's the one I used every day forever. Uh, it has all kinds of notes in there. I've underlined stuff. It's, it's, it, I use it all the time. All right? I'm a big Bible guy. I don't use any of these Bibles anymore. All right? Because I'm a hip, modern pastor, and I use my phone. Uh, I, I say all the time that the Bible app, you should download the YouVersion Bible app. It has studies on it. It has all kinds of stuff. I use that every single day. Um, some of you think you're closer to God when you turn a page. God bless you. All right? Really, digitally, I'm, you're more closer to God because there's no pages in between. You're directly to them. All right? <laughs> Wi-Fi and God's, it's all the same. All right? I made that up. Listen, some of you are right what I'm going to talk about. The Bible says it's just not adequate for you anymore. When you were a kid, maybe growing up in the church, and someone said, well, the Bible says, so you better do it. You grew up, and you've experienced a lot of life. And when someone comes along and says, you know what, you should do this, blah, blah, blah. Why? Well, the Bible says. And you're like, let me tell you about my divorce. Let me tell you about my loss of a loved one. Let me tell you about the pain in my life. Your Bible says thing hasn't worked. Here's the good news. The Bible says was never intended to be the starting point or the anchor of your faith. It's so much more than that. So here's, how, here's what we need to ask. There was about 250 years where people chose to follow Jesus and be Christians before there was a Bible. So obviously people, there was Christianity, and there was people who followed Jesus way before we had the Bible that we have today. There was the Old Testament scriptures, and they were Jewish scriptures. But Jesus comes on the scene. He lives his life. He, he does his preaching. He gives up his life, and then he raises from the dead to prove he wasn't just some dude. And then after that, there's 200, 250, 300 years where we don't have the Bible that you have today. So here's the question you got to ask yourself. How did people become Christians in the early centuries? How did people choose to follow Jesus before they were in the Bible? What were they following? What did they believe? And maybe that's a good starting point for you. Maybe you don't have to start and believe everything. Maybe you don't have to start. You can start with all your questions about the Bible and the things that you struggle with. Maybe there's a different starting point or returning point for you. So this morning, in the, just the next few minutes we have, I'm going to blow through an incident in the life of Paul, and I'll explain that in just a second. And we want to push the restart button to do that. All right? So here, here's the background. Paul, 
who was not a believer in Jesus. Jesus was on the earth, gave up his life, rose from the dead. He left. Paul started persecuting Christians, put him in jail, and, and sometimes uh, uh, putting him to death. Then he has this encounter with Jesus in a big, huge, supernatural way. And then he becomes the greatest missionary and the spokesperson for Jesus and the Christian faith. So we're going to pick up this story about Paul. He is a newer believer. He's, on, he, he's called to take the good news of Jesus throughout the Mediterranean rim. And uh, he's with a guy, his buddy, Luke. Now, the words we're going to read, don't look at it as just the Bible. Look at it as maybe a travelogue. Luke, his buddy, writes down this thing. Like, like Rick Steves would if he went to Italy or Europe or something. You know what I'm saying? That Luke wrote this thing down. It's a travelogue. I said, we started here. This is what happened. Here's what we did. Here's what we saw. And it was real people in real places written down in real time. The Bible wasn't a book that someone just sat down and started to write and finished it up and said, here, believe this. It was 40 authors over 1,600 years. So this thing we're going to look at, don't look at it as, oh, that's sacred scripture, and you've got to believe in God to believe that. It's just a dude wrote down what happened. So this is what happened. Paul shows up. He's in Athens. Paul was waiting for them, and they, them, hey, guess you're going to have to trust my word for it. Paul was waiting for them in Athens. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Is Ashton on his way up here? Graham? Anyone? Macy? Anyone? So Paul shows up in, in Athens. He's going to meet up with some buddies. He's going to jump on a ship. They're going to travel together. But he gets there before everyone else. So he and Luke are in Athens. And he does what he always does. Athens is this place. It's just booming with, with wisdom and truth, full of philosophers. I don't know what they did for a living, but they all sat around and talked about stuff. Yeah, they had uh, Epicureans and, 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 and uh, Socraterians and all these different philosophers, and they loved just to meet and talk and, and, and say, hey, this is what I believe. Well, I think about this and that, and that I believe. So Paul shows up, but as he walks around the city, he sees there's a lot of gods, small g. There's idols everywhere. They had so many different gods, ton of gods. So he walks around. So then he decides to get in the mix. So Luke tells us that he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and with God-fearing Greeks. And he also went to the marketplace day by day and talked with people there. So this is great. He heads to the synagogue, the religious place, and he says, hey, you religious people, have you thought about this? Have you heard this? Hey, have you ever heard about Jesus? Then he goes out into the marketplace, just hangs out downtown, and says, hey, philosopher guys, have you ever heard this? So as he's talking and sharing so much stuff, and he's talking about Jesus, and, and he's talking about the resurrection, all that stuff, they said, wait a minute. Uh, we're a little concerned about you, Paul. We've never heard anything like this. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So these are a bunch of people. They never heard of the Old Testament scriptures. Don't have any experience with them. They've never heard about Jesus. They don't have any background. They don't have any church experience. There was no Jesus loves you because the Bible says so. 
These are raw people for the first time hearing the truth about Jesus. I love this. These philosopher types go, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. We haven't heard anything like this. And we would like to know more about it. So what they did is like every Saturday, all the philosopher and wisdom type people, all the truth seekers, they'd all gather together. And they'd go to the Areopagus, as you can see the picture on the screen. <laughs> the Areopagus is still a place you can go in Athens today. It's ruins, but people, tourists go there all the time. So Luke isn't making the story up. Luke's just telling you, hey, we were in Athens. And Paul and I showed up at the Areopagus, and there was all these philosophers. And they actually let Paul get up in front and say his thing. Now, Paul has this much time to share the greatest news ever in his mind. How does he start? What does he say to a group of people who've never heard anything before? What's that starting point look like? Paul stands up and he says, hey, listen, I can tell you guys are all religious. In fact, when I was walking around town today, I saw all your gods. We have something in common. I'm religious too. I also believe in God. He says, but one thing popped out of me as I was walking around and I saw all your altars to, to Zeus and Ra and all these different gods. One thing popped out to me. Wait a minute. You have an altar to the unknown God. Who's that guy? Who's the unknown God? You don't even have a name for him? And they're like, well, listen, we know there's so many gods, and we don't know them all. So if some God shows up, and he says, hey, there's the altar to the unknown God. If some God shows up, and he says, hey, I'm a God, they're like, hey, we were expecting you. We just didn't know your name. We're so glad you're here. We've been worshiping you. And so, and it's like, listen, you are believing in gods you don't even know exist. You are uncertain. Paul says, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And he's not saying ignorant like you're dumb. That's not the word used there in the Greek at all. Because these guys are super intelligent. He's saying you are uncertain. You're just guessing. Come on. What's this God's name? We don't know. You're guessing, aren't you? Yeah, we're guessing. We're just hedging our bets. Not unlike a lot of us, right? A lot of us come to church on Christmas and see Easter, right? Just in case. We have a Bible at home, right? It's got dust and everything. We keep a Bible at home and it's like, okay, just in case. Or you say a prayer. Come on now. All of you do. Brewster, if you're at the state basketball championship and you don't even believe in God, I bet you said a prayer. Why? Just in case. Listen, I got one good prayer a year if you want your team to win. I only got the one. So between Shalana Manson, Brewster, and volleyball, you got it. Depending on how big your tithe is, is who I pray for, all right? And I, I'm a free agent. I, I'm, uh, all right. Uh, you're just guessing. I got to keep moving. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. I'm about to take the un off of unknown. 
I'm about to tell you what's known. You don't have to guess anymore. And Paul gets fired up. He says, listen, you better tighten up your tunic because here we go. He says, rather, he himself, God, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He's not made by man-made hands. He's not something you just put a sticker on. He's not a, a stone thing. He's creator. He's above creation. He's not created. You can't create this God. God did this. God got involved in humankind. God created. God sent Jesus so that they would seek him. You would seek him. You would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far away from any of us. Like he's not very far away at all. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. In the past, God understood that we had to cobble together our own view of God. That we had to figure out our own way to get right with God. But Paul says, not anymore. And it's good news, you guys. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You don't have to cross your fingers and hope you're good enough. You don't have to guess what's on the other side of this life. You, you don't have to wonder if there's more to this life than just life. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. And like, y'all are like, oh, here we go. Here comes the rules. I'm a bad sinner. Well, I'm going to hell. He's not even talking about sin. Repent here means to change your mind. Listen, if you're listening online or in Brewster or in Chelan, listen. Maybe you got it wrong in the past. Maybe you grew up and your faith didn't. Maybe you can look at God, at Jesus, differently with an adult point of view. Not to repent of your sins or get right with God and live a better life so God loves you more. That's not even true. But repent means you can change your mind. You used to think it was this way, and maybe you had bad information. But when you repent, you say, wait a minute. He has given proof of this to everyone. And all the philosophers says there's no proof in religion. But proof moves us from hope so to no so. And up until this time, a bunch of us are like, I don't know if there's a God. I don't know about this Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if you could know so? Paul says he's given proof of this to everyone by raising Jesus from the dead. Listen, people who follow Jesus, call themselves Christians, whatever that means to you, who have committed their life to living for Jesus, they don't do that because of a Bible. They do that because something happened. That Jesus claimed to be the Savior of the world, gave up his life, and then rose from the dead. Without that, there's no Bible, there's no Christianity, there's no hope, there's no future, there's no heaven. Something happened. And Paul's like, I know it happened. My best friends were eyewitnesses to him. We saw this happen. There's people, there's pe this is just 20 years, you guys, 20 years after this event. Paul says, I got people, I got friends just over in Jerusalem. There's a bunch of us who know this is true. There was eyewitnesses of this fact that you can be certain because this dude, Jesus, was raised from the dead. Now watch this next verse. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, they fell on their knees and repented and set about destroying all their idols and altars. That's not true. I made it up. That's why you should read the Bible. If you, would, if you believe everything I say without checking it out, you're in deep trouble. 
No, that didn't happen. That, that, that would just be a made-up fairy tale. That wouldn't be real life. Pe- people, listen, these are smart people. People are like, wait a minute. The dude raised from the dead? Get him out of here. Here's what Luke tells us, though. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Like, you're an idiot. We know people stay dead. In fact, some of the philosophers, their whole life was built around the fact that there's no resurrection. That get everything you can out of this life because this is it. They're like, you're crazy. But look what Luke says. But others said, man, we want to hear you again. We want to hear more. And maybe that's all I'm asking this morning. If you're a doubter, if you're a seeker, if you're a returner, maybe there's more for you to know. Maybe when you walked away or you found yourself not believing anymore, maybe there was more information that you missed out on. Doesn't make you bad, doesn't make you ignorant. Maybe there's something more. Let's wrap this up. The basis for faith in Jesus is not the Bible or just belief. That's too simple. The basis for real faith is a question. And this is a question you should ask, and if you've got people that are searching and trying to figure this out or don't believe anymore or trying to believe and can't believe, basis for real faith is this. Who's Jesus? It's the greatest question. When you're sitting by someone on a plane, maybe it doesn't happen to you. When I'm on a plane... People say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. I never say that. I say, I'm a a community organizer. (laughs) Uh, Because as soon as I say I'm a pastor, they're like, push their button and like, want to change seats. (laughs) When I get talking to people and they want to talk about faith or Christianity, whenever that is, I'll say, who do you think Jesus is? You'd be surprised. Most people dig Jesus. Then you have a conversation. Is he the real deal? Is he fake? Is he the savior? Is he not? But the basis for faith isn't the Bible says so. The Bible wasn't even around when people first started putting their faith in Jesus. The basis for faith is something happened that this Jesus person showed up on scene and a bunch of people saw him die and a bunch of people saw him live afterwards and then gave their life for it. Three next steps I want to hit real quick. Uh, these blue cards, we love the blue cards. In fact, you guys have been doing a great job. Sarah Barnes organizes all the blue cards. And, and uh, if you've got a prayer request, they get prayed for. If you've got a question, if you've got a complaint and you sign your name, it'll get to me. And we can meet, we can talk, we can argue. If you've got a problem with what I say, it's okay. Let's talk. You're not my enemy. I don't want to be yours. Right? The blue cards are the best way to communicate, to sign up for stuff, to get information. All right? They're also the best way we have next steps because we don't want you to just come and listen and leave. So here's three quick next steps. Number one, identify the basis for your faith. Why do you believe what you do? Who told you? Where do you get that from? You say, I research it on Google. I'm a great researcher. Okay. Maybe that's a good place. I read the Bible and stuff about the Bible. And okay. I know the people of faith and all kinds of different faith. But really, where did you get your, the basis for what you believe about what you believe? Two, would you consider the impact of the resurrection of Jesus? 
You can start with, I don't believe that happened because dead people don't come back to life. Yeah, that's why it's supernatural and it's a miracle. Okay. But just consider. I'm not asking you to believe it. Just consider that Jesus was a dude sent by God as the Savior of the world to make us, give us the ability to have access to God, the Heavenly Father. And he proved he wasn't just like every other false Messiah because he rose from the dead. Would you consider, what if that's true? And lastly, mostly, would you consider and accept that you can know that Jesus loves you so? You got any proof of that, Kyle? Yeah, Jesus went to the cross and gave up his life. Hey, does God really love me? Yeah, he proved it right there. Here's what I love about our position with God. There are sometimes in my life, especially when I was younger, you know what? That's a lie. There's sometimes in my life, especially the last few weeks, if not months, where I get back to this old way I used to think is if I'm having a good day and things are going my way, man, God really loves me. And if things aren't going my way and I'm concerned, I'm trying to work it out myself and, and, and God seems distant and I pray and there's no answer, God must not love me as much. Here's what I want you to leave with. God loves you still. Right the way you are. If this week is a great week for you, God doesn't love you anymore. If you feel God's blessing, it doesn't because he loves you anymore. If this week goes sideways for you and you experience a bunch of pain, God didn't stop loving you. God's love didn't change at all. That God's love for you is enough. You can't be loved any more than you are right now. That's what God is. And some of us thought, ah, I got to act a certain way. I got to be a certain way. And then you couldn't be that way. So you thought, okay, if there is a God, he doesn't love me anyway, so I'm out of here. I'll just risk it myself. You are completely loved by God, the creator of the universe. Exactly the way you are. If you've been coming to church a long time, you maybe need to hear that. I do. If you haven't been here for a long time, you need to hear that. And if you have doubt that there's even a God, what if there is this almighty God who loved you so much and proved it because he sent Jesus because he wants to have a relationship with you? What if that's true? You don't have to do anything to be loved any more than you are right now. I'm going to turn it back over to Billy and Brewster. Thank you, guys. Let's pray, God. Thanks for your love. Thanks for Jesus and the proof of that. And God, we struggle with faith. We want to have all the facts, and we just always don't. I ask you, God, that you help us to believe in Jesus, even though we don't understand everything else. I ask that you help us get adult answers to younger faith questions. God, most of us, help us see the real Jesus, the real Savior that we need in this life and the one to come. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Have a great, great Sunday. See ya. Love ya. Bye.